Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, how to read the room. The Cambridge Dictionary defines reading the room as to be or become aware of the opinions and attitudes of a group of people that you are talking to. And then it adds this nugget, you have to read the room when you're performing. It is an essential skill in stand-up comedy, for instance, which us civilians may think comedy is simply about writing jokes, which is a big part of it, of course, but it's also about performing those jokes and adapting to where you are and the audience in front of you, a core camera-ready principle. Because a live studio audience, of course, is different than an intimate comedy club, which is different than, say, performing in front of 3,000 people in a Las Vegas showroom, which I could say is comparable to being on stage delivering a keynote. So here to dive deep and discuss is returning champion, Marta Raven. Be sure to check out Marta's previous episode on Camera Ready and Able, talking about timing, where she dropped tons of nuggets. And I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes. So Marta is an Emmy-nominated executive producer and showrunner and sought-after keynote speaker who started her career in stand-up comedy, which is where we first met, and where Marta honed her exceptional skills in how to read the room. Welcome back to the podcast, Marta. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited. I love that. This is my favorite podcast, by the way. This, I mean, it's my go-to. Okay, I love it. I'm clipping that. That's going to become my promo this week. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, and I, you know, we've known each other for years and I just love chatting with you and I could talk to you all day. So, uh, but relevant to today's podcast, why is it important to know how to read the room? Reading the room is important in everyday life, in business, really no matter what you do. It it first first of all, it immediately takes the focus off of you. You know, yeah. it's not about you. It's about what you are walking into. So be that, you know, when I was younger, a stand-up club or as my career grew as a producer, a conference room or now as a speaker, or even just walking into a Zoom room, you know, it's taking the temperature. And it's just so important to know, you know, what's going on before you even enter so you can adjust your energy and you can, you know, kind of be empathetic to the, just the atmosphere, the people, and you are bringing something to this mix so have it be something that works well. It would be like showing up at, you know, like a potluck Mexican themed dinner with turkey stuffing, which I love. I don't think there's ever a wrong time to have stuffing, but it's like, you're not reading the room. You're not coming in, you know, with the mariachi players behind you. You brought stuffing. Okay, love the stuffing. Uh, one, you know, usually the discussion, the discussion around reading room is very about like cause and effect. And I love that you just took it a whole new place was also the idea that the skills around reading the room is also a way to minimize anxiety. It's a, it's a way to take back control, focus on, you know, what you have at hand and, and stop looking inward and look outward. And it's like, so I'm just going, Whoa, this is already in the first, you know, three minutes, such a powerful takeaway. 
So referencing back to when you did come on previously and talk about timing and you actually in that podcast talked about, I think a lot of these skills you actually honed around the uh, sort of dining room table growing up. And I, even when I said, would you talk on the podcast about how to read the room? I think you had to pause for a second because it's so innate for you that you don't necessarily see it as like this, you know, ginormous skill that for us, many of us is really, um, challenging and then what you know and then a game changer once we master it so i just want to kind of go back to you know how you kind of understood you had this skill and how you've practiced this skill or how you might advise somebody else to practice the skill sure um yeah it definitely did start when i was young and just you know i grew up as the youngest child um in sometimes a little bit of a volatile family so just knowing that you know, if I could add that dose of humor, um, that maybe things would be a little bit more relaxed at uh, just the everyday dinner table. And then when it would be holidays, like our Passover seders, which would be these big, long tables with 30 people and tons of relatives and food and fun. But that, you know, something like a seder has all these different, seder means order, there's all these different parts to it. There's all these different songs to it. So there's like a timing there of also like where you put in the joke. And, <laughs> you know, my dad would always lead these lively satyrs. And if you could kind of like get in your joke and get the whole table to laugh, it's like, oh my God, I killed it the satyr tonight. Um, but how did you, when did you become aware of the idea of like, I, ne I need to like understand what mom's mood is, what dad's mood is, what's going on with the siblings? I don't um, think you understand that until much later. I think I'm just putting that together now. I think <laughs> it just becomes, you know, I think you just, you realize it. I realize it even with my kids. I have a 16 year old and a 10 year old and um, I'll notice that my 10 year old, you know, will kind of pick up on an energy and, and then try to, you know, <laughs> you know, do something to kind of lighten the mood and I'm like oh my god what am I doing to him but um so know, when so did I, you understand this in comedy I understood it um on like a Saturday night at 3 a.m at the comic strip which <laughs> was uh those were the kind of slots I would get when I first started out and I was grateful to get them but you would walk into the room it would be packed the whole thing opened and you just had to walk in there with balls of steel. And I, first of all, I hadn't even developed, I didn't even have balls yet. They hadn't grown. <laughs> and um, so they certainly, you know, and they, gel manicures didn't exist. So even my nails weren't of steel. Um, I just would come early. I would, you know, always come early and see what the vibe was. So you could see if there was a joke that happened that you could, feed off of or something that was already going on in the room that people were commenting about in terms of a couple or the waitress. And I would just kind of, you know, go out there. And if my, if my material wasn't working, I would just immediately start doing crowd work. And it really just helped me hone my improv skills because it's kind of, you know, I would just say to myself, okay, these people paid for a night out. I'm here you know, making $7 or whatever it was. And, but my job is to entertain them. And I, and it was like to just win them over. And um, 
it was hard. It, it was the nineties and at the comic strip was, was on the Upper East side and 2am on a Saturday was usually like an all black crowd. And so, you know, I, I really needed to kind of find, just find my way in. And I, and I think all of that really just became a part of who I am. I, you know, work with so many black people, so much of the content I make is, you know, with and for black people. I feel like comedy is like the big connector, especially with Jews and blacks. And it's something I, I'm very, you know, feel very strongly about healing kind of those communities. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's a different topic, but it really started from those early days of being like, okay, I'm funny. You're funny. Like, let's find the the pathway together. Let's find the common funny. Um, I actually want to go back to something you said a little bit ago, and this is for anyone listening who's going, okay, this is really entertaining and fun, but I'm like, I don't work in comedy. So I just want to connect the dots in the translatable skills you just said, or techniques really. One was that reading the room actually start. It's a, it's an action that involves preparation that you were like, before anything starts, I, I understand that I need to prepare. Two, it's about being observant. So you're slowing down and quieting yourself and it's listening and observing. So you can, you know, it's very sensory. So you see what's going on. Um, you hear what's going on, but you also vibe on what's going on, meaning you're uh, responding to energy. That's really important. And then something that I love that you said at, that you would do as a comedian that actually any of us can do in a presentation, even in a job interview, is if you start to read that you're losing your audience, stop and start asking them questions. That's a technique that's engaging your audience. Yes. By the way, I'm sure we don't say, hey, I can tell my uh, my job interview is going south. May I ask you a question? But you may just you know, figure out your own timing, which is what you taught us so much about in the other podcast episode. But to you know, just kind of be able to pivot, I think, and be like, yeah. right? I love that. I mean, because this is now why I love having you on the podcast, Marta, is like this is a phenomenal, applicable, transferable skill. Yes, 100%. I was definitely thinking about coming on here and I, and I was thinking about the senses and, you know, let's just take walking into a, a conference room for a meeting. So first of all, you're going to get an agenda. Okay. So you're preparing, look at that agenda, know what, what, you know, the person who's leading the meeting, what it is that they want to hit. And then is there something that you can bring to the table for this agenda? Is it just you giving an update when it's your turn to give an update? Or is there something you really need to talk about? That's an issue. If so, is this the right place to do that? Or is that something you should have just a smaller conversation with a smaller group about? So that's something to check in with who's ever leading the meeting beforehand. So you're not kind of throwing this bomb into the room during the middle of the meeting. Um, the other thing is if you are going into a meeting and you see on the list who's there, prepare. If you don't know who they are, Google them or figure out who they are in your, you know, in the org chart or just, you know, on LinkedIn or whatever. So you know who you're going in with, or maybe there's an opportunity to schmooze after because you guys have similar connections. Um, but it's also all the senses. So obviously sight, but then when you walk in and always come early, you know, you're hearing. So what are you hearing when you're walking in? Is everyone in the middle of a <laughs> <laughs> you know, group joke, or are there side pockets and the vibe is kind of like a little tense and a little whispery. And then, you know, are you smelling like, are people eating their food there? And kind of, you feel like maybe this could like use a little air out and you just open the doors a little. 
what are you seeing, hearing? So I have a genius colleague who I've known forever, Liana Huth, who um, we would always have a weekly 3 p.m. meeting with her at Fuse to talk about the festivals. And she brought candy and good candy, you know? <laughs> so it was like kind of knowing that this is a long meeting and everyone gets bored and everyone's on, you know, kind of a sugar low from lunch. And so there would be awesome candy in the meeting and, you know, you would come and just be like, okay, this is going to be fun. So it's, and if it's a me meeting and it's going to be a long one and it's an in-person, always have a cheese board, you know, just, or little light, light snacks. Um, Right. I, I love I, that I, story I where you sold a show because you had a cheese. Yes. Board. When, yes. When, when get out of my room, when they came over, um, when the executives came over from, uh, universal kids and it had been a long rainy day and they had been hopping around town and they came over and it was like, I put out wine and cheese. Like I knew they were going to be hungry and it just, and then I was like, yeah, let's watch down the rough cut. And yeah, I love that, that extension over. of reading the room because that was like anticipating the room. That's like, I'm going to create the room and I'm going to create an atmosphere. Um, but that was also that preparation of um, kind of like understanding atmospherically their vibe. Like this is what the time of day is. This is what's going on for these people that I want to win over. It's the vibe. It's like, yeah. you know, what's just like, what is the vibe I'm walking into? And if there's something that you can bring to it that is kind of just a universal, you know, oh my God, did everyone see, you know, Taylor and um, Kelsey, what's his name at the, at the yeah. game and, you know, or just something easy, something that people can talk about. Um, and, or, or if you see someone who, who seems really uncomfortable, just doing a touch, doing a small check-in, like, are you okay? And also just really, um, you know, when you're somebody who's leading a, a meeting, you know, people have different comfort levels with that. So if you're in that meeting and you can remain really, you know, connected and not on your phone and following that person, um, that means a lot to them. And, you know, so you're taking notes and you're, you know, actively listening and participating. And if you, if there's something you want to add, great. If there's nothing to add, great. Just keep it moving. Um, but just that, you you acknowledge that like you're here and you're here for a reason and you're going to be additive and whether that's in energy or what you say um but you're bringing something to the table and people are going to remember that you know oh that's that girl who always or boy who always comes in with a great smile on their face and like they're always super happy and i feel like they gave me gum once you know <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, again, got to stop and acknowledge because now you um, added to this conversation, the idea is like, we're reading the room, but now it's also you have, everyone has the power to set the temperature in the room. And that's an intention and being deliberate. So you just gave us tips on that, which I also um, love and cherish. And then now here's this other thing about choosing to be present and the energy you bring, whether you're speaking or not speaking, even if you're a junior person and you're, you know, sitting in the back and this can be on a Zoom room or um, in, you know, in person in a conference room or at a, you know, dinner meeting or whatever that is, is by deliberately choosing to bring present energy to give that, even if you're not speaking to be like, I'm fully present, I'm engaged, I'm supporting whoever's speaking and whatever their agenda is, which is a, a very clear choice. 
I also want to, now this has come up for me because I work with clients around the world is understanding that there are cultural differences and it's so easy to get up in our heads when, um, you know, in a lot of other parts of the world, people may be quieter than us animated Americans. So I'm just acknowledging like a sensitivity to that because part of it, and if you have any tips for like, how do you get out of your head? Cause that is a problem. It's like you, you're reading cues and you might be super empathic or overly sensitive and then it can derail you. Um, I, I think you immediately, you just have to get present. You know, you just have to do, if you find yourself kind of dozing or, or thinking too much, you just have to really focus in, really get present. You know, one like quick way to do that. I mean, this just applies to anything. And I, I try and remember who I'm stealing this from. I think Gabby Bernstein, but um, <laughs> that, you know, you immediately, you know, say to yourself, okay, what are, what are five things I can see? Ooh. What, what are four things I can hear? What are three things I can smell? What are two things I can touch? What's one thing I can taste or, you know, whatever order you want to do, but it immediately you are, you go from kind of like, you know, and this works also if you're kind of having some sort of a panic attack or anxiety, I do it with my kids sometimes, you know, just if I see them kind of spiraling just immediately, you know, you, cause once you start to say, what do I hear? So it's like, well, I hear in, I hear a bulldozer in the back. I hear some music coming from my son's room. I hear the the refrigerator, you know, that's just like a really great way to get present very quickly. Um, but if you are, you know, if you feel like you, that's not really the issue. It's more just that you're kind of feel like you're, you're, you know, there's something off with how you're being received just immediately ask about it. You know, don't, it's what we were talking about, like the job interview. You can just say, Hey, um, I just want to make sure that, that what I'm saying is making sense, or is this really what you wanted to talk about? Or is this not really the crux of what you want to tackle right now? Or is, are you guys bumping on something? I just, I'm just sensing that, you know, something's off or did you guys already discuss this? I don't want to waste your time at all. So I'm picking up something, you know? Oh, I love then, that another reframe might be, I just want to clarify, am I understanding the correct, the question correctly? Yes. And, and what your priority is right now, because you may have booked that meeting two weeks ago and then, you know, you walk in and you don't realize that, they just had 40 layoffs or, and for whatever reason they kept the meeting with you or. That's also a really good example of preparation at yes. preparing, preparing for the room. And by the way, I've been in that situation, not quite that dramatic, but um, where I went in, um, you know, about a casting project years ago to a network and they just had had big news that morning. And I hadn't paid attention because it was like, they're famous. I watch all their programming. I thought I knew everything. And it really taught me that lesson in real time. It's like, scan the headlines, do a quick Google before you get a big, is there anything I need to know about them? Is there breaking news? Because it, it, it can just, you know, bite you in the tuchus. 
Right. Totally. <laughs> or if it's, if it's a pop culture place you're going into, look on their, you know, what, what did they just put out on their feed that morning? So like, what are they collectively talking about? Okay. Marta, you are always such a gift. So this is so incredibly valuable because one, now you've just taught me about like, you know, that it's about preparation and observation, but also reminding me that reading the room itself is an action, but the room is not a static place or a static energy. The room is constantly, you know, you know, energetic ions moving around so that I can with intention shift the energy in that room, but I have to observe. And one of the tactics I can use or techniques I can really use is to start asking questions, which is as camera ready as it gets. So I love you for that. Do you have any good examples of like when you knew you didn't read the room and what you learned from it? Um, or are you, are you just a room reading savant? No, I definitely <laughs> have had examples. Um, well, I feel like reading the Zoom is a very different beast, you know, yes. because that's even- Let's speak harder. to that. So we can talk about that and I can, and then I can tell you about an epic Zoom fail. Um, <laughs> so- I, I, what I've noticed actually with a company that I'm working for now is that they, they all come early. You know, it's like, if we're about to meet with the network, I'm working for a production company, the production company gets there early and, and that wouldn't have even really, you know, occurred to me, but so they get there early. And so they're all just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze about whatever, or if there was something that they wanted to make sure they were all on the same page about before the network showed up. Um, and, you know, so the first time um, I went on the Zoom, I went on, you know, just like at the time and I felt kind of like, oh, okay, wait, these guys come early. So now I come early. So, you know, it's just like anything else, just being there early and then um, making sure, you know, that, that especially if you're working for someone um, and you're not sure how granular they want to get about something and, you know, because once you bring it up, it's really hard to unbring it up, especially on Zoom, you know, you might just text them quickly, just like, do you want to get into this now or not? And, you know, just make sure that you're, you know, you're reading the people that you're working for and how they want to present themselves to the people that, you know, that are in the meeting, um, if it's kind of a, a, a larger group. And also just, you know, when you get that vibe that the person has back-to-backs and, you know, like, okay, well, we only have 30 minutes for this, you know, then this does not need to be your moment to shine. You know, like what it, it, it's there, this person needs to, you know, get stuff done, check in with everybody, and also you have to see if, is, if everyone's camera's on, camera's off, there's a mix. Um, I think for the most part, plan to be camera on and plan, you know, to look together at least from here. There was one company I worked for, a, a very big company that I was working for as a consultant, and it was a very big meeting. And um, I had my camera on because it was like the first meeting. And then the guy who hired me texted me and was like, you can turn your camera. <laughs> and I was like, okay, because, you know, just for them, they just didn't do that. And then other places, it's very obvious if you're the only one who doesn't have your camera on. So I feel like, you know, you should always be ready to have your, your camera on, which is 
Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in the camera on because it's like, you cannot turn your camera off in a conference room or at that all hands. I meant in person, you're there. And so when you turn it off to indicate, it's like, well, I actually am not even really listening that much. I'm going to be doing other stuff. I'm going to be multitasking. I just think that sends an enormous message, not to mention um, quasi-hostile energy. Um, but oh, the- You wanted a fail. Mm -hmm. You wanted a reading the room. Oh, I totally want to fail. Well, I don't want to fail, but I want to hear okay. about a fail. So, well, this was a reading the Zoom fail. So this was a, but this was a risk. I knew I was taking a risk because I was going in, I was going in kind of hot and I didn't know this person but I was interviewing for, um, to produce a clip show and it was about hair and makeup fails. And um, that was what the clip show was about, like taking viral hair and makeup fails and talking about them. And so to prepare, I watched a whole bunch. So I, you know, I'm like, oh my God. And they wanted somebody who had a comedic sensibility. So I said, this is going to be so funny. So I show up with a hot roller that seems like it's stuck in my hair. And I, you know, like, like this kind of like, and I look like really wacky. Okay. And, but it's, it looks even worse. And I'm meeting the guy for the first time. And, and I, in my mind, because as part of my character work, I don't know that the hot roller stuck, stuck there. You know, so I say, hi, how are you? You know, oh, it's so great to meet you. I'm so excited. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is so embarrassing. I left my hot roller and oh my God. Oh my God. This is so, let me, I'm sorry. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so, bad. <laughs> so I committed. I gave what I thought was a cable ace award-winning performance for a Zoom interview about, you know, makeup and hair fails on the internet. And, you know, and like, ta-da. And it just, we never recovered. We never recovered from that moment. So it wasn't like I was trying to sell myself as talent. It was more that I just wanted to be like, you know, I did my homework. I understand it. I get it. And he just, I just think, you know, as the the interview continued, I was like, okay, he, he wants to be the funny guy. And it just was like, okay, he had a lot of jokes. I don't know what it was, but it just was, I kind of, I, I took a, I took a big swing and it was a big miss. Um, but that's but hilarious. I was, st I still, like, I still stand by the hot roller routine. I Good on you. Good on you. So in a really quick sort of, um, as we have to wrap up running out of time, um, but sort of like a, um, lightning round thing, because as you touched on this, it's like when you go in and you read and the executive is like, read the energy. So, right. We've determined. So if somebody seems distracted or busy, you have to pivot in that moment and realize I have to either be more direct or do the shorter version. Yes, exactly. Just, you know, to immediately, if you pick up that there's tension, that they're, you know, doing a lot of things, you hear them on the end of a phone call, you know, you can just immediately say to them, wow, you've got a lot of going on. Do you have a heart out? And- Oh, that's such a good advice. Thank you. 
Right. And just find out immediately, like what, you know, what timing do they have and, and then work within it and just say, okay, cool. Got it. I will have you out of here. And, you know, and then as you're going and kind of, you know, shortening or elongating certain things, or, you know, just checking in and just saying, you know, is, is, is this resonating? Am I getting to the meat of what you need? And if not, um, what do you need? And, you know, that's if you feel like you're losing them. Um, it I actually think that has value, even if you're not losing. It's like, am I covering everything you need? What questions do you have? Because what you just said, no matter what, is about meeting your audience where they are, whether that's a room or an audience of one. Yep. Um, and just, yeah. And just remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the people you work for. It's about the client. It's about if it, if you are, you know, presenting, you're making them feel comfortable. If you're in a supportive role, you're being supportive. You're noticing that there's a computer glitch and obviously the person running the thing isn't going to be able to fix it. And you run out and find the IT guy. You're noticing people are talking about that they're cold. You figure out, you know, even if you're not an assistant, it doesn't matter if you're just in a supportive role and the person who is running things you know that they can't break off to do it, just that you're kind of just knowing what's going on around you. And if everyone's saying they're hungry or they're this, that you, you know, quickly go to get your candy stash and, you know. <laughs> and then the miracle cheese board. Yeah. And always have a cheese board in your back pocket. I know it seems like a brie is going to smush, but there's ways, there's ways to do it. I love you so much, Marta. I can't wait for your three-peat. You promise you'll come back? Oh my gosh, I promise I'll come back. I love coming back. I love to see you. Thank you, likewise. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating. It is so appreciated and truly it helps a lot. And if you're interested in media training or help with career strategies, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com. And be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera.